This is episode 49 of Beyond the Bulletin. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Beyond the Bulletin. I'm Brandon Sweet, editor of The Daily Bulletin. And for media relations, I'm Pamela Smythe. We're coming to you from our homes where we're practicing physical distancing. Thank you for joining us as we go Beyond the Bulletin. Like we do every week, we'll talk about some of the top stories featured in the Daily Bulletin and look ahead to see what's on the horizon, both inside and outside Ring Road. Mostly outside Ring Road these days. We'll also take the opportunity to speak with people and personalities on campus about key issues that matter. Please keep listening to hear my conversation with Tracy Hilpert from the School of Accounting and Finance. She will share what you can do to protect your household finances during the pandemic and beyond. Beyond indeed. Beyond. You like saying that like that. What are these household finances of which uh, of which you speak? <laughs> I have no idea. Now, here's what's been happening. The University of Waterloo's first ever virtual convocation celebrations took place last week. Yes, thanks to COVID-19, the university pivoted to a virtual recognition, shall we say, intended to create a meaningful remote convocation experience for Waterloo's graduates. That's right. And uh, here are some virtual convocation details by the actual numbers. So as you know, uh, an email was sent out to all graduating students containing a personalized uh, convocation experience, shall we say, including videos from the president and other senior university leaders. And the average open rate for these emails was 81.6%, which is no slouch. Uh, There were more than 17,000 views of these personalized convocation videos. And bear in mind that uh, there were about 6,400 graduating students. So perhaps there were some oh. repeat, repeat views or uh, rewind and fast forward and rewind and fast forward, that sort of thing. Uh, graduates also shared their personalized videos to more than 12,000 unique users. On social media, there were 1.36 million overall impressions made during Convocation Week. And the hashtag UWaterlooGrad uh, was actually trending in Ontario across a number of platforms on June 17th. Yay! And on the Convocation website, which was revamped to take the virtual celebrations into account, there were more than 24,000 page views. And you might recall the uh, celebratory lawn signs that were developed as part of the celebration. Uh, Mm -hmm. More than 560 people picked them up and put them on their lawns or in their windows or elsewhere. And 100 uh, additional signs were placed around the university's main and satellite campuses. I noticed you said rewind or fast forward. (laughs) You're showing your vintage, Brandon. Can you still uh, rewind on a digital file? Well, what do you call it when you move the slider back and forth? Is it rewinding? I mean, I guess it's not, but... Uh, well, what is it called? What is it called? If I have you no know, idea. send us an email at bulletin at uwaterloo.ca. That's right. <laughs> and for those employees and community members who submitted their old convocation photos to help us celebrate, we salute you. And I'm sorry, I wasn't brave. If you check out the Daily Bulletin for June 24th, you might see uh, my picture in the Convocation wrap-up article. Now, amid the Convocation celebrations, as freshly minted graduates prepared to embark on their professional journeys, we also celebrated the close of a long and illustrious career. Professor John Thompson is retiring on June 30th after 52 years at the university. 
When John first joined the Faculty of Science in 1968 as a biology professor, he was attracted by Waterloo's strong commitment to research and its vision of working closely with industry. Today, he says that vision has been a cornerstone of Waterloo's success and one that has benefited him personally for the duration of his research career. Now, midway through that research career, he founded Sinesco to commercialize a technology inherent in the discovery of a gene that appears to function much like a biological switch. It regulates both cell death and cell survival. The discovery was accidental, but its applications in both agriculture and human health were methodically guided by the partnership with Sinesco and its successors. Over the decades, John Thompson has received various awards and distinctions, including election as a fellow of the Royal Society of Canada in 1987. Upon retirement, he expects that what he will miss most about Waterloo are his research lab, which he actually closed three years ago, and active involvement in research with grad students and postdoctoral fellows, the close working relationships with administrative colleagues he has enjoyed over the years, and the staff in the Office of Research, where he has worked as the AVP University Research. For young researchers embarking on their research careers, he has these words of wisdom to share. And I quote, Be sure research is something you want to do, for it will consume every ounce of energy and time you can give it. Follow your heart and follow your instinct. You can learn more about Thompson's career and retirement in the Daily Bulletin for June 18th. Congratulations, John. Yes, congratulations. Now he has more time to drive around in that cute little convertible he has. (laughs) That's right. Um... Oh, it's it's uh it's always uh, bittersweet uh, to say farewell to a uh, member of the faculty or longtime uh, serving staff member, especially one who's been around uh, since the '60s. That's quite an achievement. Yeah. Now, if you still have unanswered questions about the fall term, returning to work, or other matters, we may actually have the answers. Answers to the questions that were submitted at the President's virtual town hall meeting held on May 20th are now available online. The questions are searchable and broken down into categories so you can find them easily. The virtual town hall brought more than 1,600 students, faculty, staff, and community members together for a brief presentation and a Q&A session addressing topics ranging from what fall term might look like to maintaining the quality of the learning experience, co-op placements, and the financial state of the university in the age of COVID-19. You can check out the Q&A transcripts as well as the entire video recording on the President's Town Hall website. Kathy Becker, President-Elect of the University of Waterloo Staff Association, shared a blog post that was published in the Daily Bulletin earlier this week. Becker is a Waterloo Arts alumnus with experience in teaching, leadership, and communication. As the Faculty of Engineering's Teaching Development Associate, she supports faculty members by helping them connect what they're doing in the classroom with how their students see their teaching and how teaching and learning research might contribute to their development as teachers. Becker was elected president-elect of the UWSA in October 2019, and her approach to the role is based on her core values, transparency, generosity, and inclusivity, all with a healthy dose of optimism. As president-elect, her role is currently part-time and volunteer-based outside of her regular work duties. Later this year, she will step into the role of president of the Staff Association full-time for a one-year secondment. You can read her post in the Daily Bulletin from June 23rd. Your hair is looking wild. Yeah, uh, that's because my uh, Calico Cat sneakers uh, hopped up onto my shoulder and proceeded to give me a bath and licked the hair forward, and uh, I haven't yet fixed it. Oh, boy. The joys of working at home. Well, honestly, Pamela, when I I opened up Squadcast, what I saw was you kissing your cat, so you (laughs) got to be careful. I did not. (laughs) 
have kissing relations with that cat. With that cat. <laughs> oh, Bill Clinton and his commas. I love it. Now, here's what's coming up. Are you looking to up your fitness game this summer? Always. <laughs> okay. Well, if you are, Athletics and Recreation's Jump Into June Challenge is now in its third week. Jump Into June is a four-week wellness challenge with prizes, including a weekly chance to win a true local box and a grand prize at the end of the month. Each week of the challenge has a theme, movement, sleep, water, and nutrition. I think I'd rock the sleep one. Uh, Same. (laughs) Each themed week will have a specific requirement to complete. To enter the challenge, post an Instagram story showing that you completed the weekly challenge and tag Waterloo Recreation. And the handle is at W-L-O-O-Rec. At W-L-O-O-Rec. Nice. You can learn more in the Daily Bulletin from June 18th. Also coming up this coming Wednesday, July 1st, is Canada Day. So campus operations will be even more limited than usual on July 1st. Even the Student Life Center and the Turnkey Desk will be closed on Canada Day. Now, talk about your new normal. I never thought I'd see the day. However, as always, even on holidays, the university police will be on the job, as will the central plant staff who will be monitoring campus buildings. We'll be featuring a series of Canada Day-related content on the university's website and the Daily Bulletin next week. Duly noted. The Sustainability Certificate is now available on Learn to support independent asynchronous learning for employees. This series of courses is available to all university employees to help Waterloo embed sustainability into campus culture, one of the major goals of the university's environmental sustainability strategy. The program includes seven modules that cover key local and global sustainability issues, what the university is doing, and tools and resources for employees to integrate sustainability into their own departments, homes, and beyond. Employees can access the course under the self-registration tab on Learn and register using their WhatIM credentials. For more information, please visit the Sustainability Certificate website. I want to do that. Well, you have the option now. I've been meaning to do it. I'm going to do it. And now the interview. With many businesses shuttered and a lot of employees unable to go to work, it's no surprise that the pandemic has had a negative effect on the economy. Statistics Canada reported that the gross domestic product for the first quarter of the year was the worst it's been since the recession in 2009. And as we learned in episode 47 when we talked about the labour market, we've seen a record number of people not working. Tracy Hilbert is a lecturer in the School of Accounting and Finance and director of the school's Financial Literacy in the Classroom initiative. She spoke with Pamela about things we can all do to protect and improve our personal finances during the pandemic. Hi, Tracy. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here for my first podcast. So what effect is the pandemic having on people's financial situation? Yeah, everyone's financial situation is unique. And so the range of financial situations will be quite large from family situations where they're not experiencing very much impact financially from the crisis to those that might be experiencing a complete loss of their income. And for this reason, I think it's difficult to discuss these one-size-fits-all kinds of strategies. For example, it's all well and good to say that you should have an emergency fund of three to six months of your income on hand for circumstances like this. Obviously great advice, um, but under these circumstances, if you're an individual who doesn't have that, hearing that kind of advice can just increase anxiety and stress. And we know that when 
stress and anxiety is high, it becomes very difficult to make sound and wise financial decisions. So finances can have an effect on people's well-being. Absolutely. Um, We know that our financial well-being is very closely connected to our overall health and well-being. Um, We know that our financial well-being is so much more than just the amount of money we have at our disposal. I think right now the key is that those that are experiencing that high level of stress and anxiety should be willing and hopefully feel supported enough to reach out and ask for help. So whether that's talking to a licensed or an accredited advisor or counselor, someone who can help you understand your current situation and what options might be available to you, or whether that's just being proactively reaching out to someone you owe money to and having a conversation about what relief or support they may be able to offer to you. So we're a few months into this pandemic now. I don't want to say the damage, but a lot of what was going to happen to our finances has already started. Can we turn things around? I think there are some things that we can do and generally everyone can do regardless of whether we're on the end of the spectrum where we're not experiencing a lot of change to our income or we're on the the end the other end where we are there's some behaviors that are just sort of fundamental and things that we need to always be thinking about whether it's now in this crisis moment or afterwards when we start to feel some recovery and the first one I think is that um, the the studies we see say that Canadians who save, regardless of the amount, are going to experience more financial well-being, and Canadians who avoid borrowing to pay for those daily expenses uh, of living are also going to experience more financial well-being. And so when I hear that, it really kind of brings to mind two things. The first is that right now, financial well-being is certainly at risk because we know that saving um, or avoiding borrowing when we're losing, when we've lost some of our income is going to be really difficult. But the second thing it brings to mind for me is how important this skill of budgeting is and how important it is to develop the habit of budgeting, no matter your financial situation. So budgeting, that's something that we can all do now, regardless of our circumstances. I mean, some people can't save very much money because maybe they're paycheck to paycheck or they just don't have a, much of a buffer. Yeah, I think that budgeting piece is is the big part. We've heard that expression, live within your means. And in order to do that, we have to actually understand what money is coming in and where our money is going when it goes out. And that's really what budgeting and that budgeting habit does. If you're one of those people that have a budget, that's great. Um, The survey's data suggests to us that you're in the minority in Canada if you have a budget. Um, But if you do, now's a great time for you to review your budget. Likely, under the circumstances, some things have changed, maybe not significantly, but likely you've experienced some changes either on an income side or on the spending side. And so you'll want to make sure your budget reflects that. But secondly, you might also be noticing changes in your spending habits because you're at home and you're not in your car as much or 
you're able, you're not doing takeout as much, or maybe you're doing takeout more. There are things that you might be discovering about your spending habits that might reveal some things that you might be able to manage differently in the future when things do start to resume or at least go back to a new normal at some point. If you're one of those uh, families, and there are many of you that do not have a budget, then now's a great time to create one. And there's lots of tools and resources out there to help you do that. Your banking app offers a lot of online tools to help you track where your money is going. Um, you can download transactions from your banking account or your credit card account and then use that information in either a different type of budgeting software or app or simply use Excel to summarize your expenses and start to get a sense of what's coming in and what's going out. Quite recently, the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada launched a really interesting online budgeting tool. You can do everything on their site. It includes some tips and suggestions, and it also has added some badging to kind of incentivize you to um, go through the budget process. So something to check out if you don't have a budget yet. Uh, you get a sticker if you do something, if you don't, say, go over your grocery budget. <laughs> I think it's it's if you reach certain stages and if you, you they encourage you to set some goals and so there's probably some badging around achieving a goal or or setting some um, frameworks around that goal. So yeah, some different ways to just keep you engaged in actually doing the budget because I think for a lot of people the idea of budgeting can might seem scary or they don't I don't really know how to do it. And really, budgeting is quite simple, but if it feels that way, it's going to be very difficult for you to sit down and take the time to do it. So something like this can help you. <laughs> I did notice that it was probably week one or week two when we were all home and people were, that was when people were hoarding the toilet paper and all the flour and everything. But at the supermarket, I noticed that People were buying a lot of treats, like people's shopping have, I don't know, I mean, maybe these people buy treats all the time, but it was just something that struck me that there were all kinds of goodies and stuff in people's carts. And I have a feeling that, like me, people's grocery habits, buying habits maybe have changed a little bit during the pandemic. So it would be a very useful exercise to look and see what's going in and what's going out. Exactly. And that's what I meant by looking at your spending habits now, because obviously we're going to see some changes like that. We probably did resort to some comfort items, um, especially in the early days when there was just, we didn't really know what we were thinking about um, or what we were facing. But what you really want to do when you're looking at where your money is going is break it down into what are the things I'm buying that are absolute essentials and needs versus what are things that I'm buying that are maybe the wants and the extras. Um, and there's some value in the wants and the extras. They could bring us great joy and happiness. And so we certainly want to find ways to be able to do that. But in emergency times, we need to make sure our essentials are covered. So being able to interpret our spending and know which one falls into which category can really help us then when we do experience a drop in our income of figuring out what's a priority right now. In an emergency time like this, as you call it, is it more important to pay down debt or to save? This is where we get into a little bit about debt and good debt and bad debt sort of conversations. But high interest debt is something that should be paid down. If you've got some extra money lying around, then you want to put that to high interest debt because it's costing a lot of money for that 
whatever that is that you financed using that. So I think um, saving is good, but if you're sitting on a lot of credit card debt and that credit card debt is a high interest credit card, then I think you want to be putting those extra money to that extra money towards bringing down that debt, reducing that interest cost so that in total overall, you're going to pay less. And therefore at some point in the future, you are going to have that money to set aside and save. Okay. Well, at the end of last year, Canadians consumer debt was close to $2 trillion. That's trillion with a T. A lot of us owed money even before the pandemic obviously. Um, What should we be doing now? Yeah, I think this was a big fear. Uh, It is a big fear through this crisis is what is the amount of debt Canadians are going to come out of the other end with. We, as you said, uh, debt levels were high in Canada already pre-pandemic. I think the 2019 number was that household debt was about 177% of your disposable income, which is quite high when you look globally across the world as well. Canada's debt levels are quite high. So certainly cause for concern. Um, So this is where I get back to this idea that debt in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. Too much debt is the problem. So if you're borrowing for what we might consider good debt, and student loans are often an example used here of good debt, where you're borrowing for the future. And the idea is that the value you're going to get from this, your future income, once you've graduated and have the the training and skills to go out into the workforce, are more than going to offset the cost of that borrowing. That's good debt. But under the current situation, we're probably seeing more bad debt happening, where we're actually borrowing to pay for our day-to-day expenses, things we consume quickly, things that don't really have a future value. They have an immediate value, but no future value. And so that's that's the biggest, um, I think, concern around debt levels today and the crisis. Budgeting and understanding your financial situation can really help you minimize that bad debt. At some point, you might need to put something on a credit card that normally you wouldn't want to do. And we have to, I think, in this situation, be willing to forgive ourselves or allow us that leeway that maybe we need the, we need to do this in this moment. But we need to keep that to a minimum. Before you get to the point of borrowing, using that credit card to pay for a day-to-day expense, I think you need to first go back to your budget look at what you're spending your money on and figure out, is there something you can reduce or just delay right now? Normally, these would fall into the category of wants, not needs. And so if you can do that, if you can reduce or defer as much as possible on the want side, you're going to your income requirements are going to be a lot less and you may not need to tap into that credit card to pay for that expense. I think the second thing to do is to make sure you are accessing the government support that is available and that you're eligible for, whether that's the CERB or the student version of that, or tax benefits like childcare benefits and and HST benefits. Um, Also taking advantage of deferrals that the government's offering right now. You do not have to pay your taxes until the end of August. There is also deferrals for student loans right now. So taking advantage of that and just pushing off some payments till later so that you can minimize the amount of income you need right now when you don't have income or you have reduced income because of the the crisis. The hope is that come the time you do have to pay this, things the economy will have picked up. Hopefully your job or your ability to work um, has improved and you'll be in a position to pay that. 
The third thing I think is important is investigating any relief that's available to you. Um, and payment deferral is a type of relief. I think one of the things that has been a worry around payment deferral is making sure people understand that it is a deferral, meaning it is just delaying when you need to pay that amount. It is not forgiveness. Um, and so that deferral will come at a cost in some cases, more interest, more payments you'll need to make in the future. So you definitely want to plan and budget for the payments you'll need to make later if you do qualify for some deferral. Banks, Service providers like utility companies, landlords perhaps, car financing companies may all be offering some kind of payment deferral right now. And so I encourage you, if you are in that situation, to reach out to them to see what's available and do it proactively. Don't miss a payment and then give them a call. Call them before you're about to miss that payment and see what options might be available to you. If you do end up having to borrow, and it may be the case that you do, then look for the lowest cost options available. If you have a line of credit or home equity available, um, or even low interest credit cards, many banks are offering lower interest rates on their credit cards right now to those people who need it. So again, that would be a proactive reach out to your bank to let them know and see if you could reduce the interest rate on your credit card. Ideally, you want to minimize the use of high interest credit cards and definitely payday loans, which are very expensive. All right. Well, you know, it seemed to me that it was very easy early on in the pandemic to rack up credit card debt because, I mean, if you didn't want to go to the grocery store, you were doing online shopping and that takes a credit card. You were buying other things online if you needed other things online. Donations to charities that were letting it be known, like the food bank, for instance, that they really needed help. I mean, not everybody has a credit card, but if you do have a credit card, it seems to be pretty easy to be using that credit card very early on. It's still continuing now that businesses are opening up because some prefer cash. They ask you to use cash or maybe you would rather just tap instead of touching that, that finger pad. So it, it's a bit of a minefield. Ideally, what you buy on your credit card, you should be able to pay in full at the end of each month. That's the ideal. That avoids interest charges altogether. But if that's not possible and you're carrying a credit card balance, then I think there are a few tips. Um, First, make at least the minimum payment each month and make that payment on time. This will help preserve your credit score and having a good credit score will make credit available to you in the future when you do need it again or need more of it. Um, pay more if you can. So when you have some extra money, look to put that extra money towards your highest interest debt first. Um, so it might feel like I want to spread it out amongst them, but once you've paid your minimum, look to pay the highest, your extra amounts on the highest interest, interest rate first. And also pay often. If some money comes in early in the month, there's no reason you have to sit on that money till the, the due date of that credit card. If you're carrying a balance and incurring interest charges, make the payment right then because most credit card companies calculate interest on a daily average balance. And so the more you can do to bring that balance down, the lower the interest and overall you're going to pay less interest in total on that purchase that you made on the credit card. As is the case, unfortunately, with many crises or emergency situations, there are people who look to capitalize on these situations and take advantage of people. 
for sure. There is a lot of talk about being safe right now, and that goes for your money too. Um, beware of frauds and scams. The CERB benefit right now has been um, the subject of a number of scams. So be sure that you're using government sites to access applications and, and not clicking on unusual links you may have received that says you you you've received the benefit or click here to apply. Um, use the government source site to apply for that benefit. If you're ever feeling unsure about something, don't do it. No one should ever pressure you to make a financial decision or share your personal information. Protect your personal information. As I said, be wary of emails with links and attachments and always go to those trusted sites. The Government of Canada right now, the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada right now have very thorough COVID-19 sites that specifically relate to the financial aspects of the crisis. In closing, what else do you think we need to know when it comes to managing our money at this time in particular? Um, I think the main thing would be keep it simple. There is so much uncertainty about what's to come. You know, will there be a second wave? How long will it be before we could return to work? What about childcare, schools, etc.? So I think mastering the budgeting basics is where to put some time and energy. Know what money is coming in know what money is going out, and know what types of spending decisions you're making, and make spending decisions based on what you know about your income and, and spending habits and spending needs. Um, I think where possible, set some extra money aside for the unexpected, and as the economy and our personal financial situations improve, then set a goal to save a bit more um, and build up that emergency fund for the future. As I mentioned earlier, we know that saving just as a behavior, just the act of saving, can help us, our financial well-being. So um, even a little bit can go a long way for you. I think if you have the means, support local, help our charities and not-for-profits continue to deliver support to those that need it. And if you don't have the means, don't feel guilty. Priority number one is to cover your basic needs and keep you and your loved ones safe. Um, if you have children, talk to them about money. Share what you're comfortable sharing with them. They are never too young to learn about spending, about saving, how much things cost, where money comes from, and perhaps today how easily and unexpectedly it can disappear and how you can prepare for that. Great information. Thank you so much. Um, we will definitely put the link to the financial literacy in the classroom on our show notes in SoundCloud so that people can access it. And I'm sure that you've helped people with their financial well-being as well as their personal well-being with these excellent tips. So thank you so much for being here. Well, that about wraps it up for us this week. You can find additional information and links about the items we mentioned in today's episode in the show notes on SoundCloud.com. To ensure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the Beyond the Bulletin podcast there or wherever you get your podcasts and recommend us to your colleagues. Yes, please do. And keep washing your hands with soap and water and practice physical distancing of at least two meters. You can get in touch with us via email at bulletin at uwaterloo.ca. Thanks for listening as we went Beyond the Bulletin. So I've been meaning to compliment you on your various backgrounds for our our daily 
communications meetings. You've been in the Millennium Falcon, in the Simpsons house. What was today? It looked like you were in the Teletubbies. No, today was actually the default view uh, of uh, that you would get if you were running Windows XP on your PC back in the day. Now, well, now that you mentioned it, I might have to go and do the Teletubbies background and see if, and see if anybody gets it. Please do. Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> 